0: You're listening to the Unhelden News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths Travis Steele is the owner of Steel Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths, faithful volunteer and dramatist, Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast.
1: In today's podcast for Unheralded News and Pharisee Watch, we're going to revisit Anders Brevik, the young man that killed 74 young Norwegians a few months back. He's been declared insane. This is a piece by our
2: founder, Chuck Carlson. Leslie, would you read it to us, please? Anders Brevik declared insane. Who is guilty? Part 1, Charles E. Carlson. Everyone has heard the legal explanation for when free speech becomes a crime, quote, you must not cry fire in a crowded theater, unquote. According to the findings of the Norway court-appointed psychiatrist who examined Anders Breivik, he believes there is an immigration fire in his native country, so he killed or wounded some 80 children whose parents belong to the political party he blames for the huge migration of Muslims into Norway. Note that Brevik, as far as we know, did not gain a single kroner for his violent and well-planned deed, and he risked his own life to do it, for had the police shown up before he ran out of bullets, or if anyone in Utoya Island would have had a gun, Anders would likely have been shot down. As it stands, Brevik may be in a mental institution for a few years or for the rest of his life. Some good may come from the unfamiliar and seemingly over-generous Norwegian law because it will now bring focus on those who Brevik heard shouting fire and who influenced him to kill 74 youth. Unlike Anders, many of them are well-paid and rewarded for promoting war, one we know seemingly lauded Breivik for his act. We live in a war-based economy in a society trained not to know it. A brazen few make their living agitating for those who benefit from serial wars. The serial war on Islamic countries is now in its third decade having started with Operation Desert Storm in January 1991, began when the Cold War thawed out after 50 years of artificial freezing. Among the anti-Islamic agitators are Pamela Geller and Robert Spencer, two of many named in Anders Breivik's manifesto. Some 1,500 pages published on the web just before his killing spree, that naming and crediting the people who inspired him. Geller and Spencer are in the business of shouting fire the Muslims are coming to take over America. Their acts and voices aid and abet the call to war on Islam. They and the nameless, faceless billionaires who see to their success may be legally responsible for Andrew Brevick's act. In America, a bartender can be held responsible for the acts of the drunk to whom he sold booze. Why not hold the purveyors of hate responsible for the acts of the guy who listened to their inflammatory words and acted on them? For the first time, I wish I was a lawyer. But the legal blame should not stop with Geller and Spencer. Note that Brevik did not kill Muslims. He killed pale-skinned Norwegians, mostly Lutherans, who just happened to sympathize with Arabs in the Gaza Gulag. Anders murdered these youths not because they were immigrants, but because they were ethnic Norwegians who had the audacity to hold a rally in Utoya Island at which they openly sided with the inmates inside Gaza. No wonder Anders was considered insane, but were those who cried fire into Brevik's ears also insane? I think quite a few would pass the sanity test, but they would not pass the hate test. And it does not end with Geller and Spencer. Every pastor who opened his church to the Constitution or Sharia conferences is a hate crime accomplice. Every college administrator who allowed the program inside the door, he is paid to guard shares the responsibility for listening to and encouraging others to listen to the hate message of war, war, war. But why are too many agitating for war on Muslims? Because since January 1991, Muslims have been the new boogeyman used to justify the war-based economy. All candidates for president, to a man, with the exception of Ron Paul, have echoed a call for war with Iran. Because only a third of the voting public will stand for war, Americans must first be taught to hate Iranians, and that means Muslims. The cry for war against Muslims drove Anders Breivik, a 29-year-old self-styled crusading knight Templar who believed Muslim immigrants threatened his homeland and his race to commit his massacre. Are Geller and Spencer and the dozens of sources cited in Breivik's 1,500-page manifesto also insane? Why not let a civil court decide? Perhaps parents of the Norwegian youth and children should file a class action of wrongful death suit in a U.S. court naming each one of those who inspired Anders Breivik to commit his awful act As accomplices, if Anders cannot be held responsible, then why not those who knowingly hosted and attended the meetings at which hatred for Muslims was fomented? Nor let it be said that no one knew the possible result of poisonous websites and hate Islam conferences. The Hutton Hotel in Nashville, owned by Amerimar Enterprises, refused to allow the conference because the officials discovered the content of the program. The hotel representative clearly stated they did not want to host a meeting with race-hate-filled content. Amerimar is now being pressured and threatened with boycotts and legal threats from professing Christian groups for canceling the meeting. I suggest the first-named defendant be Pastor Maury Davis, leader of Cornerstone Church of Madison, Tennessee, who knowingly sponsored Constitution or Sharia conference inside his church on November 11, 2011. Pastor Davis scooped the conference out of the gutter and took it home after the Hutton turned it down. Two days later, this author helped lead a vigil for peace and justice at Davis's Cornerstone Church. Some might say Davis could not be responsible for Brevick's act because the latter was in jail when the conference took place, but this is not the first time for Pastor Davis. In january twenty eleven, Cornerstone Church hosted anti Islamist Gert Wilder, who was also honored in Brevick's manifesto. Pastor Davis is a serial hater. If the Norwegian families do not want to place a monetary value on the life of lost children, I suggest they start a foundation for peace and justice with any money they win in court. More important is the precedent this will set. Maybe it will cause professional propagandists for war to think twice before agitating for more Muslim blood.
1: Thank you. Chuck, that was a wonderful. I can't I'm lost for words. That was a fantastic piece that really needs to be said because of this brewing hatred that is causing acts like this. I think you really hit the nail on the, the head. We have a follow-up article here entitled. This is from Florida Family Association, December 4th. Christian Zionist attack on all American Muslim. Several national pro America, pro family groups, including Pamela Geller's Atlas Shrugs, Stop Islamization of America, Matt Staver's Liberty Council, Robert Spencer's Jihad Watch, and Sharia Awareness Action network organized a national conference for November 11, 2011. The purpose of the conference is to educate leaders and citizens from across the country on what they can do to stop the advancement of Sharia law within the United States. The Preserving Freedom Conference organizers signed contracts with Hutton Hotel for the two-day event Hutton, Hotel is one of the 13 hotels operated by Amerimar Enterprise. And that's just a summary there. Were there some other items that they covered in that article, Chuck?
3: Well, uh, yes, they did. And uh, the significance of this is, of course, it's the same conference that I referred to in my article at the same place, and it was eventually held in this uh, church by Pastor Davis. The story was written by the American Family association in florida that organization is headed up by a christian zionist of sorts named don wildman and uh... it's very active national organization and they have a florida affiliate named florida family association and that's who you just heard from complaining because the maramar hotels canceled this event virtually on uh, a week before it was to take place and it went of course it was picked up by one of the co-sponsors, this Pastor Davis, who took it right into his church. And what we said in our article is that there were people that recognized that, that this was a hate conference, and Amer- Mar Hotels was one of them. They threw it out before it had a chance to happen. And now, of course, they're being threatened with a lawsuit and uh, having all kinds of pressure put on them, but they were one of the people that actually recognized what this conference was all about. So, this is very strong evidence that a lot of people who were just normal businessmen could see that what was being promoted here was a literally a hate conference against Islam and a call for war against Iran. And of course, we had people visit, had a man visiting that conference and sat through it. Uh, His name is uh, Keith Johnson, and he wrote a report on it, uh, which we can uh, review here sometime. Uh, But my uh, reason for publishing this with such interest is that this helps to point out that there were those who knew this conference had no business uh, being held in a public place, and it was advocating hate. Uh, so hopefully uh, something will come from this. Unfortunately, uh, we're not lawyers, and we can't go to Norway and represent those families and talk them into suing all the people that deserve to be sued on this, but uh, it's, uh, it's our hope that someone else will see the necessity to do that, and maybe we can encourage that a little bit. We'd like to see that happen. I would like to see each of these many uh, advocates for war suddenly called on the carpet and sued for 5 or 10 or $20 million each for the wrongful death of all these children. Uh, it would be, uh, I think, a very rewarding thing. And it might not hurt, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd care to write to the Miramar Hotel uh, executives. We've listed those on, the, uh, on our web page and you can go there and write to those executives and tell them they did the right thing and to pay no attention to the American Family Association of Florida which professes to be a Christian group.
1: Well, what this does certainly show is the blood that these our bloodthirsty brothers in Christ have on their hands. It's inconceivable that they can get away with these actions where they are doing a 180 from what Jesus told us. I mean, it, it's just amazing how they can disassociate themselves with this hatred. The hate does divide people, and it's certainly it's interesting that here a secular organization, business, business organization, can see the, the damage that could cause something like this, whereas these Bloodthirsty Brothers in Christ uh, see nothing wrong with this thing. They see it as a way of pro- promoting a, an, another agenda here.
3: Right, and when you it look at the flow no of the sense. dollars, the hotel had everything to gain by holding the conference. It was a national conference. A lot of people were invited. They got to sell hotel rooms, sell all of them. Uh, they were, it was a money-making proposition for them. They actually turned down something that was a money-making proposition uh... the presenters at this hotel all these people who were screaming and shouting for war they're all being paid for being there and uh... who are the people that sponsor all of this that's the second and third echelon behind all of this not to mention the churches and religious groups like american family association who uh... also in our opinion have the blood on their hands so there's an endless number of people it would, it would make a wonderful class action suit um, it, uh... That's why class action suits are, are figured out, is you find something a lot of people are guilty of and a lot of people uh, were injured by, and you get those who are injured to file an action against those who did the damage.
1: I don't suppose Pat Robertson's uh, uh, legal arm, the uh, help me on that one, folks, is would be... Would be willing to uh, lend a hand to these efforts uh, since they're so pro Zionist.
3: As a matter of fact, I think Jay Sekulow was a speaker at this conference. He was a scheduled speaker at this conference that was eventually held at this hotel. And uh, thanks to the hotel's diligence, uh, the conference kind of fell flat. They ended up with only 500 participants and about three of them came from uh, outside of the city, and a couple of hundred were strong-armed by this church to attend. And uh, so uh, and the, the the conference didn't do that well
2: for a national he conference. And held vigil at that church as well. And we
3: held a very effective vigil at that church and uh, enjoyed it very much. And it was a blessing. We went there with no idea what would happen it was done on a spur of the moment. We didn't even know if we would uh, be able to find anybody to help us out with a vigil. And, in fact, we were shorthanded, and we didn't even have a cameraman. Uh, we weren't able to arrange a cameraman at the last minute. And so we, we didn't have very good coverage of our own event. But to our surprise, the local paper gave us very excellent coverage and actually, told our story about why we were there doing it. So that's rarely happened in any of our vigils.
1: Yes, I'd like to add, Chuck, that anybody that listens to this podcast, be sure to go to our other, go to our archives. If if you get this sometime down the road, and the story about the vigil that was held by Chuck at this church is entitled "Islamophobia: Angry Evangelicals on the War Path." against muslims and it's quite fascinating the interview with chuck and this keith johnson who actually attended part of the of the seminar there and chuck's encounter with uh, the convicted murderer mari davis it's quite a fascinating story actually Okay, well, fiction. I think it is stranger than fiction. It really is. We'd have to think over time to, to come up with some, some of these things. It's, it's totally unbelievable. And that concludes our report for tonight.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it, as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.